0: using sarcasm almost to, to make people think and believe what they believe. You've got to be pretty ignorant to believe what you believe if I can just get your attention long enough to show you what the Bible says and snap you out of those myths that we've been fed all of our lives. The fact is, I've always lived my life with an expectation of the imminent return of Yahshua. I believe it's one, that hope that we have of Him coming will keep us pure. <clears throat> i've always watched and i've taught you i've always told you this okay you can watch china you can watch russia but i've always told you but keep your eye on turkey and i've always kept my eye on the what the bible calls Gog and, of the land of god magog the chief prince of meshech and tubal which i believe includes turkey But it just seemed didn't work out for me, you know, because Turkey was was an American alliance, had American alliance, and all those kind of things, and they were kind of had gotten to a place where they were kind of neutral and all. But it just so rather amazingly, and seemingly, just last week, the geopolitical landscape and and climate in Russia, Iran, which Tehran used to be called Little Moscow, and Turkey of all things were uniquely aligning with many of the descriptions that I believe and know that Ezekiel prophesied about. So I'm like, okay. And Sunday, while I was standing up here, Yahweh's refining fire ripped through me and scorched the very landscape of any levity, frivolity, and joking that would dilute any seriousness in me about the soon return of Yahshua to the earth, I received my correction. I was humble, and I'm thankful for it. And I know this: that I am, we are at the end of this age, and we must be ready, seriously ready. Luke 12:40 said this: "You must also be ready for the Son of Man coming at is coming at any hour you do not expect." I want to stay serious about that, and I've got to be honest with you: that humor has been. One of my confidences. Something that gave me confidence. And Yahweh is dealing with me and is removing my confidence in the flesh from me. It's very, very difficult for me to die and come to the end of myself. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Hello? It's very hard to die to the flesh. I'm not talking about blatant Ten Commandment breaking. Thou shalt not lie. No problem, even though i 'm tempted sometimes because I do golf sometimes or these other stealing i'm not i'm not really tempted to steal just the basic commandments, no problem, but what i 'm talking about is motive and the thoughts and intent of heart stuff. The Pharisees could keep the law outwardly, but inwardly was the issue i've been referred to before as the master psychologist, did y'all know that? <laughs> and negatively, might I add, and I say, and I must say, I have to agree with those people, not in the way that they used it against me, but when it comes to me, oh, I'm, the, I'm a master psychologist. And I must say, it's very easy, easy to reason and justify continuing in sin, even though you, we might put a coat of paint on it. I always like to use this illustration. We can have alt in our heart against our daddy for being an alcoholic, and we'll swear and, and devote and vow our life to never be an alcoholic, but we, and we never take one drop of alcohol, but we become a workaholic. Same sin, different coat of paint. I have found this out, that the flesh will do almost anything. It will even give sacri- money sacrificiously if it can avoid dying on the cross daily. And this has been the hard part in our walk with God to me. It requires you to to lose all confidence that you have or had in your flesh. And my experience has been this. When I come to those places and I lose confidence in my flesh, it can leave you in what can feel like a no man's land. Because everything you trusted in that was your strengths, Yahweh wants you to repent of. Like Eric Clapton's song, you know, Eric Clapton's son fell like 54 stories out of a, an apartment building in New York to his death. I think the kid was like four years old. The song that he recorded after that was, will you know my name if I saw you in heaven? Y'all remember that song? It will be the, he wrote that song. This is what, it, what the hook in the song said this. Time will bring you down, time will bend your knee if nothing else, we know that as we get older and we realize the superficiality of the flesh and, and the, the, not the, the, uh, how valueless these things are, then we, we, we find out that we no, have no longer any confidence in our confidence. Philippians 3.3 3 says, for we are the circumcision which worship God in spirit, and rejoiced in Yeshua, and have no confidence in the flesh. Man, that's, that's, that's been a difficult thing for me. It takes time to sift through all of our self-deceptions that we manufacture and negotiate to avoid our total surrender and trusting God with our lives and the end result of our lives. I'm going to say that again. It takes time to sift through all the self-deceptions that we manufacture and negotiate to avoid total surrender. And then after we say, I can't depend on that anymore to bring about and give me a result of things that are important and eternal. But then we have to learn to have our confidence in Christ. I've had a lot of things in my life that I I was confident about. Certain moves you had in sports that always worked. When I played basketball, I used to have a move. I, could, I would turn a certain way they would go that way I go that way and get open it worked every time every time you have confidence in that you have confidence in, in maybe a talent that you have you can even have confidence in something that's not even real or true but if you're convinced it is you know it's like a guy who who is trying to hit on a girl or something and he's real ugly but he's got confidence that he's not and he will approach the, a girl and ask her for a date when another person don't have the courage to do it y'all know people like that some of you ladies married them. One of the things that opened many doors for me was singing and playing the guitar. and I, it, was, it opened so many doors of ministry and opportunities to be on a staff at church and all that and go places and sing and even make money. I used to travel. I made money off of my voice. Or being able to use humor and have confidence in that and win people over and set them at ease. And dis, you, know, uh, you, you, can, you can set a person at ease by just making them laugh. As the years roll by, man, I have I have a lot of confidence in my knowledge. I man, I I've got a lot of knowledge. I'm not boasting in that. I'm just telling you, it's just the truth, especially when it comes to the Scriptures. I had confidence in my competitiveness. I'm, I'm competitive. Oh, yeah, no, we're going to do it. And I was confident about it. And I believed. And I wanted to win. I wanted to win at all cost. <clears throat> That's why I don't play board games today, because I will cheat. I will cheat at board games right now. I always tell the story about... Dick and Glory and me and Bevy take our motorcycles up, and and they'd always want to stop somewhere up the, on I-95 at the Cracker Barrel, and me and Dick would go sit outside and and uh, play checkers. Well, he was an honest guy, No, I wasn't. He'd take a move on there, and I'd, he'd look around and stuff, and when he's doing that, I'm like, I beat him every time. I'm talking about what we subconsciously depend on to achieve and to succeed and motiv- uh, motivates and... Uh, we're, Gives us reliance and assertiveness and boldness and nerve. And it gives that gives us the pleasure of some kind of accomplishment. I'll tell you what it's like. This is how I see it, have seen it for me and dealt with it for me. It's almost like a sales game. And we have this formula that works every time. We have confidence in it. I've, been to, I've bought many cars, y'all know that. I go in there and say, okay, I don't want to talk to you, and I don't want the closer. This is, this is what I'm going to, I want for my car right there, and this is what uh, I, I want to give you for your car. You want to make the deal today? That's the deal. Take it to the guy that can make that decision, yes or no. I don't want to go through all this because that's their little thing. Last time, I, the, last time the guy came out, we went there. I said, no, I told you I didn't want to talk to you. I want to just speak. If you can't do this. I, he said, well, we can't do that. Okay. I said, I'll just say that and I'll leave. I don't want you to leave. What will it take? I said, well, God, it takes this. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You want to choke those guys. Okay, what about? Okay, whatever. What? Look, we're only 2,000 apart. How about 2,000? Let's split it for 1,000. I said, no. I said this. And then he said, uh, how about 500? Please give me 500. I said, I said this. If you don't want to do that, it's fine. I'm not in love with that car. He said, okay, you win then. I said, no, i tell you what, I'm going to leave because I don't want to leave here with somebody thinking I'm here just to, to leave. I told you this is the number. People have these formulas. We have formulas when we approach people and we have social things. I mean, we got these formulas and they work. It's, it's where our, we give our little hustle. And really, it's arrogant because we believe we're smarter than that person that we're putting our hustle on, even if it's getting for them just to like you or put you in a certain position. You don't know what I'm talking about? What happens is, God don't think I sing that good. God don't think I'm that funny. God don't think I'm that good looking. God don't think I'm that smart. He don't think I have that much knowledge. God, God don't think about that. I know this. The fact is, all of our fleshly confidence is built on sand. And the day will come that will reveal it. Reggie and I have a good friend we, we've known for years. I haven't seen him in years, but... Facebook, you know, I know about him. And Reggie has another friend who was a pastor. You know, he's big in the denomination. And recently, they both got fired, Joel. They were fired because they were too old. And both were younger than me. All of a sudden, no matter how good you sang, no matter what you did. And one of the guys said this. He said, I learned that I had a contractual relationship Versus a covenant relationship. I said well dang. What do you expect when you were hired. How many of you know. If you get hired. You can get fired. Apostle Paul. Lived his whole life on religious formulas. And this is what he said. It don't work. He was a Jew and a Roman citizen. So he gave up his formulas. And this is what he said. 1 Corinthians 2.2. Listen to this. I'm determined not to know anything among you save Yahshua Christ and him crucified. Okay, what is he talking? And this is what he boasted unashamedly in chapter 1, verse 23 of the same book of 1 Corinthians. He said, we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews, it's a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks, it's foolishness. And what he's saying, look, these guys want us to compromise. They want us to accommodate The Jews were looking for what in their relationship with God? Signs and wonders. That's what they wanted. Prove it. Show me. Show me a sign. Give me a sign. Show me a miracle. Do this. Prove. And then what what did the Greeks want? They wanted the wisdom. Now listen close to me. Jews wanted signs and wonders. The Greeks wanted the wisdom. Now listen to me close. I know this signs and wonders people that won't sign wonders is because and a miracle because they need to prove to themselves to believe that god is really who he says he is and they don't believe it without it that's why if somebody that always needs a miracle they're always going to need another miracle because what they're trying to prove is to themselves is down in the deep inside is god really real So what that means to me is that people who have the relationship and seek after God just for signs and wonders, that equals to me unbelief. That's the root of it. And so then you have the Greeks who have the most perfect language that there is. And what do they want? Wisdom. What is that? Impressing others with knowledge. What does that mean? It's pride. So right here, when your relationship with God is that you've got to see the Americans want signs and wonders and all that, or you've got to have that knowledge, more knowledge, and you're impressed with that, let me tell you what it is. Those, that's unbelief and pride. Pride and unbelief are the twin mothers and root of every sin that we commit. Can you all hear me? And both of those sources deal with our self-confidence. When God first began to deal with me, you all know I was into signs and wonders, and we saw many signs and wonders but the root of that is really unbelief. And Yahweh rid me of that signs and wonders thing, y'all. I'm going to tell you right now. Do I still believe in it? Absolutely I do. But I'm not chasing them. They're supposed to be following us. And signs and wonders it, isn't always the, God's immediate answer to your biggest request. He's bigger than that in your life. I'll announce to you this morning that I believe my fifth prayer request has been answered. Amen. Thank you. And I give God the glory. I really appreciate it. Now I'm going to give me five more. Now he's rid me of signs and wonders. And now he's rid me of the knowledge thing. I had confidence in ministering the spirit. I had great confidence. And then Yahweh just ripped that confidence of the flesh out of me. And it became awkward. Then i received knowledge. And the knowledge kind of took away the sign and wonder thing, because I found out what the truth was, and it's it's hard to bind and loose when you ain't got no devil no more. I command you right away. Well, I can't say that, you know. And I've had confidence in the cadence and the verbiage and the and the uh, uh, terminology and vocabulary of that kind of thing, man. I I developed it. I had it. It Came out of me. I was confident with it. Blah 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 Okay. And I found out. Well, so you don't have confidence no more. Then I get knowledge. I got some terminology now i'll ecclesy you out of here i mean i got knowledge i can talk to, to talk but now he took that from me he's rid me of the confidence of my knowledge and forgive me for talking about me but i know more about me than i do anybody else okay so all that may, remains is what paul said i preach christ and Him crucified. Now that does not mean that we're every Sunday and we're going to get up like the Baptist church and preach, you know, that Jesus died and rose from the dead I and, mean, you know, died on the cross. That ain't what this is talking about. He's talking about the principle of life and immortality and pleasing God. And that is, I, Paul said, I preach Christ and Him crucified. What I preach is us and us crucified. I preach Johnny and Him crucified. Last Sunday was the final nail in my confidence of humor, and he nailed the confidence of that to the cross last Sunday morning. Publicly, boom, there it was. Just like publicly, boom, there it was. Took me from signs and wonders into the knowledge thing, so to speak. Paul said, All the Jews and the Greeks really wanted was just to know how to cope. I just, you know, people just want, I, well, I just want God to help me cope. I just want God to make me happy. I just want God to make it okay where I got enough money, or my life isn't hard, or I don't have to, I don't have to be, you know, responsible for anybody else. And I just, if he, if he can just get me there and make me successful, and make me happy, and make me this, and bless me, and make me prosperous, me not have to worry. That's I, I just want to cope because I could leave services where I so miraculous things and the power of god maybe maybe not i don't want to get into that but i saw a reaction to my actions and i could leave home leave to home feeling pretty daggum good about myself i could come up and give revelation and things that god has shown me things that i have studied and that he revealed to me and i got and i could leave pretty pretty confident have a great week even though most people didn't know what the Heck, I was talking about. It didn't matter. Because I had knowledge. Some people just want just enough for them and theirs. Yahweh is more than just our little problem fixer, guys. There's only one message. And really, in the midst of all of my personal experiences, that I'm telling you things so you can know what you can expect if you really are serious with God. There's only one message, and it's always been and will be. That we must die, we must be crucified, along with its demands, as well as its victories. And I want to tell you, there's nothing that God has asked me to do that was so hard that it took away the joy of my life. I believe it gives me joy. When you don't have to depend on you to do stuff anymore, that's peace. Okay, I got to go fix this. I got to go. I got to go take this. I got to make this happen. I got to do this. And I'm not saying we don't have a part in forgiving and and asking to be you know people to forgive us and, and all that. Dying to self. Also, I'm determined to preach nothing among you but look, dying to self. And here's a scripture that I have for you this morning that puts it in a nutshell. Are you ready? You should write this down. John two five. I should just probably tattoo it, to it on my chest, and come out here. and Superman does and say this his mother saith unto his servants whatsoever he saith unto you do it how simple is that is that simple yeah is that simple whatever he says just do it that's the story about the, he changing water into wine
1: what do we do what do we do here
0: Johnny just do what he says it's that easy Acts 2:41 through 47 those that accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves. The word devote means this. It means feeling or displaying strong affection or attachment. It also means having been consecrated and dedicated. This is what he said. If you accepted the message and you're baptized, they, then you devote yourself to these things. Number one, the apostles' teaching. Number two to the fellowship, to number three, to the breaking of bread, and number four, to prayer. The Bible says everyone was filled with awe, and the apostles did many wonders and miraculous signs, and all the believers were together, and they had everything in common. They sold their possessions and goods. They gave it to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. Let me tell you this: if your confidence is in your flesh, then you're going to have to use that confidence because you always you can be confident of this thing. You're always going to have to try to go manipulate and control the situation. You hear me? You're going to always going to have to go and, and control it. Put out the little fire, go over here. You're always going to be worried about well, what if they don't like me and what if I said, well, you know, it's always going to be you and it's going to be on you. And I to tell you, nobody in the world has the strength and the stamina and the ability to carry that load. When we learn how to cast our cares and bear one another's burdens, now it's easier. In those days, in the day of Pentecost, they were devoted, man. They were focused on the apostles' teaching. I say this, I think we got that one down. I think you've been taught really good. I think you probably got been taught as good as anybody anywhere. And I'll tell you this and then on Wednesday nights, you, we come and break it down for you. I don't know about you, but my mama used to chew Joel's stewed up in her mouth and then give it to him. She didn't do that to me, that I remember, but I saw her do it to you. <laughs> I don't doubt that either. <laughs> <laughs> they were they were subject to the teaching of the apostles. And they were active listeners. They weren't passive. They didn't just sit there, okay, ching, 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 ching. I know that. I'll spit that, uh, you know, I don't know if I go, you know, whatever. They were active. They particip- they were participated, they were excited about this new world creation. In the image of the firstborn that's coming. The coming of Christ. The kingdom on earth. God setting up his kingdom and the invitation for us to rule and reign with them. Man, they got it. But, and, and you've been taught that. i tell you one thing they didn't do. They didn't, they didn't get caught up in programs and marketing. and uh, The focus was on the gospel of the kingdom. And those, concerning, and those things concerning the name Yeshua. And what it takes to please God to get your well done there's your focus they never lost sight of God being first the message of qualifying for immortality was right there the next thing that happened they broke bread together and this is really the crux of my message today the Bible says all the believers were together this walk is that our focus is upon Christ not us and by doing that it was a common thing that we had that brought us into fellowship to one another let me tell you why Togetherness is important because if we really got it, it's encouraging. But sometimes it's easy to let attending church substitute our fellowship. I heard the story years ago about the man who said that fellowship, you know, coming to church is like a jar full of marbles. We're in the same jar together, but all we really do is just come to church and just bump into each other. And we leave. And and I know, I know that I have set a precedent of different things. One of them is a, a uh, format of lecturing and learning. We've been through that. You sit here, you learn. I teach you what the Bible says about this, that, prove it to you, get it in your heart, you believe it, all that. Now we, you know, we got that basically. Yahweh, that, that isn't the totality of what he wants. The fact is we all have needs among one another. And because we have those needs, and we're on the same journey, and we're doing the same thing, you know, I've heard people say this, hey, don't you, don't, what did you do to get your lawnmower to run? We got lawnmowers just alike, how do you get that? Or don't you have that kind of a laptop? What did you, what do you do to get this? Or how do you, when we have things in common, then we're able to share with one another and encourage one, one another. And really coming here really has everything to do with us coming together. And fellowship can't be had. And it can't be exciting when we're just doing it online. The only reason I do YouTube is for those people who just can't be here. I love it. That church in the day of Pentecost, man. They were, there were no outsider, no insiders. You know, there was no uh, in crowd, no click. They were all simply in Christ. They were all from different nations. They had different languages. They, had, they probably dressed different. They, you know, but Yahshua broke those barriers, and there was a great quality of unity and togetherness. If I send us all up here for a fashion show, we're going to be surprised at what people. Some people will come to church with checkered shorts on. I was talking about your husband. <laughs> I'm, I'm preaching about you, bro. He's the first leader in our fashion show. All right, who's next? Who's next? We're just all different. But that has nothing to do with our common bond. And that's Christ and him crucified. Johnny and him crucified. Because we are in Christ, we're we'll reconciled together to God. We're on the same journey, same plan, same kind of everything. We have things in common. We have needs. Years ago, there was an, I don't know if it was a track or a teaching, but the guy wrote down seven, seven togethers. Number one, we're crucified together with Christ. Number two, we're dead together with Christ. Number three, we're buried together with Christ. Number four, we're made alive together with Christ. Number five, we'll be raised together with Christ. Number six, we suffer together with Christ. And seven, we will be glorified together with Christ. That together word is such a significant word and that word is where we see all the barriers of this and that and you and me and that problem, my problem. We, we still have this one thing in common. And i got to tell you this today. Three songs an offering and a sermon, that pattern ain't going to get it done. And I know I've nurtured that. But guess what we're going to do? We're going to tear, tear that thing down. Y'all hear me? We're going to tear that wall down, Mr. Gorbachev. The Bible says it's not good for a man to be alone. Even though I would know, and listen close, that people isolate because it temporarily helps them to ignore the real need that they really have for fellowship. Do you know that while most people isolate themselves from other people for? Because they had their feelings hurt or they don't like something or whatever with that person. There's usually an offense because somebody looked at them wrong, maybe. And it don't take much more than that. Or if they need something from a person that the person just can't give them, but they need it, then they will have an ought in their heart against that person. Or maybe they didn't barter. Hey, I, I had you over, but you never had me back. Hey, I did this but for you, and I did that for y'all, but y'all didn't even do nothing back for me. What's the use? I've taught you about this substitution thing. I believe y'all Yahweh told me it's really the core of our subconscious mind, mindset that really makes us justify not having to do anything. And I told you that if you want, we want to become the prophets of our own lives instead of life just dictating everything to us, then we need to stop asking Yahweh to do things for us when he said, no, that's what you do. I, you speak to the mountain. You say to the mountain. We're talking about prophesying, but maybe not in just the sense that we think because if we're doing it just because we just want to get by We want God to do things for us, just so we won't have to worry anymore, or be, or you know, uh, we want to be happy all the time. We want everything to go right. Let me let me tell you all this. I don't care to tells you this. That ain't going to happen. You hear me? That is not going to happen. If you don't believe me, ask Yeshua. Did you do you know that Yeshua suffered depression? I know people that are embarrassed about their depression. I get that too. I get why they would feel that way. But I want to tell you this. I was telling somebody recently, I said, let me tell you something, son. Sir, you, you are not unlike Yeshua. He was a man of sorrow. He was much acquainted with grief. What do you think that is? Everybody thinks Yeshua just came through here doing miracles and it just made him so happy and he was so, felt so good about himself and so confident in himself. I don't believe that. I believe his confidence was in his father. Elijah the prophet. Elijah the prophet goes and does this great miracle, signs, and wonders. Call fire down from heaven. I mean, like I, me, he mocked them, used humor, sarcasm. Where's your God? Is he in the, is he in the toilet? Is he on vacation? Say you what, dig, dig ditches and put water in there. I mean, you're talking about that. It wasn't uh, uh, even a day later after he called fire from heaven and licked up all the water in the ditches and destroyed the prophets of Baal, he was sitting under a juniper tree, sucking his thumb. Done. He was done. Oh, poor me. Can I tell you that this is human experience, some at different levels than others? I'm just saying, if you have an expectation of life that you're going to somehow, that life is just going to be this rosy thing, and that's what Yeshua was, you're, you're wrong. I want to tell you what. He was so pained that he literally, blood came out of the pores of his skin. And that is a real medical thing. I just can't remember what they call it. He said, look, we're going to walk this walk. This is what he said to me. He said, look, what you're asking to me is not my job. It's your job. This is what he said. Do your job. Do your job. But you can't live on your past spoken words and how you used to be excited about God and how you used to. You can for a while. You can quit, get out of the economy of God and for a while you'll still have the blessing of God because there's still some of the seed will crumb up even after it's been harvested. Some of the, 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 the gleanings fall and get in the soil and it grows and you can still have that for a while. You can still live off of that faith for a while but pretty soon it runs out. I think many of us have wasted our faith on materialistic things and then when we have nothing no faith left for the truly important things. It gets frustrating and disappoints us. And I believe it breeds slander toward Yahweh. Where are you? Where have you been? Bringing us back to what the Jews wanted. Sign in a wonder. I think that there is a element in every man and every woman. I believe in every child. And it's a void in them. I used to call it when I was youth pastoring, I had junior high class and high school class. In junior high that age, and it may it may be older now because I'm gonna tell you what with all the stuff that's in our food and all this our little girls and little boys are developing way quicker than I think they used to. That's my opinion. And they intellectually know a lot more now than they and are exposed to a lot more now than they used to be. It's not difficult anymore to see pornography in our generation. And I knew that these junior high kids, which every human has this, but especially at that at, in those years. I noticed that they had what I call a hero syndrome. They were looking for somebody to identify with and to emulate and to copy to build what they thought their character was. I, I remember uh, back when we had our school, and these these girls would come in, uh, dressed, you know, it was real popular in goth. They had, like, white faces, dark makeup. You know, I'm like, hey, I didn't know it was Halloween. They said, no, that's just how she dresses every day. I a well, trick or treat. I'm, you know, now it's not a big deal because of this... The stuff that we got people doing, I mean, that's nothing. But I'm just saying, they're looking for something to emulate. Because really, most of the issues stem from the fact that bottom line, every man is lonely. I know people, man, they they can have 10 kids. Well, that wouldn't be lonely. That would be crazy, Let's see, you know. But there's a loneliness in people. There's a void built into us and born into us that I got to tell you that... uh, and I'm talking about lonely in a scriptural sense. There are people who have cut themselves off from the body, or Yahweh has cut them off from the body. They've been cursed with no desire to be with the brothers and sisters of the ecclesia. Yahweh, this is what Yahweh was speaking to me this week. Look at what he said. They were lo- they're locked up in the prison of self isolation and out of range, out of range of any divine help. Now, they, they got help in their confidence of what they can do. And I want to tell you, you can do a lot of things just being confident in the world. I mean, if you're going to be in sports, you better be able to psych your opponent out. Because if, if you don't have confidence, then you ain't going to excel in sports. And they may be arrogant or whatever, but they believe, yeah, I'm the best. When I was in the 10th grade, I met Terry Bradshaw. He came to our high school. Joe Namath, you know, he had just pretty much won. You know, He was like the man, maybe I was a freshman bradshaw comes we didn't really know who bradshaw was so it was a question answer thing and so nobody would ask a question but i said I, I, hey who do you think the best quarterback in the in the uh, uh nfl is or uh, pro football at the time this is what bradshaw said me he didn't even blink he didn't say I said, well you know joe Namath is good and uh, uh star martin uh, johnny thank you <laughs> Johnny Eunice, man, he was good. Earl Morrill, you know, we got uh, Lynn Dawson out there, he's good. Uh, Bob Greasy, he didn't blink. And I'll tell you what, and he lived up to it. Harry Bretshaw was a great quarterback, but he didn't blink. You can do a lot in your own power and flesh. I think about today's culture, man. Today's technology, it's, it's unnecessary for one human being ever to ask anything of another human being in the course of his daily activities. We can just get. We don't even have to talk to people. We don't have to have it all. We fill ourselves up with that, and it's it, it has I believe contributed to and increased our tendency for us to live independently. I, th- I think a lot of a pr- problems that people have are sitting in front of that, that screen all day long, and it just I mean it just got us like zombies almost. When I was a kid, when television color TV first came out, they warned us don't sit too close to it. Because they, it had radiation coming out of it, but our, so our, our mind gets locked in, and then it gets in a rhythm, and it gets in, in a uh, rut that becomes our routine uh, what is it? A, a routine that becomes a ritual that becomes a rut, and a rut's nothing but a hole in the ground with both ends knocked out. So what do we want? Everybody's got their own phone. Everybody's got their own room. Everybody got their own car. And we're seeking more and more privacy. But we really are just becoming more alienated and lonely when we get our privacy. i got to tell you, I've repented to you all about a month ago of being an Aramite. And I've got all my reasons. COVID. I've got all my reasons. I can tell you, you know, well, I've done this. You know, I've been around people before and they left or they got mad or they didn't. It hurt my feelings. And I mean, I can use every excuse I want to. I remember my wife, when we were talking about going to her, one of her reunions. I said, you want to you wanna go to your reunion? Nah. Said, Why not? I already know everything. They're my Facebook friends. We, don't, we have no interactions whatsoever. It's a substitute. Let's not let our culture. I want you to listen to me real close. Sentence us to isolation and being cut off. Listen close to what I'm fixing to tell you to the very source of our life supply, which is called the body. It's so anti-scriptural, God, Yeshua. The very source of life for us spiritually is the very thing that we are alienating ourselves from. Yahweh spoke this to me a long time ago about reaching the or something about alienation. An alien nation. Which really is a play on of words of, you know, we become alienated. Never in my life would I ever dream that we'd have this kind of alienation of just me and mine. Just me and mine. And we don't realize the very source of of life to us is the body of Christ. The answer to our prayers, the answers to our prayers are directly connected to our relationship to the body and our brothers and sisters in the ecclesia i've had a sign up for years that said our relationship to god is directly related to our relationship with our brothers and sisters in the ecclesia and i think it's time for us to believe that now the answer to your prayers are directly connected to your relationship to this body and brothers and sisters in the ecclesia and listen I used to think that the body of Christ was a metaphor. But i tell you what I found out. It's not. It's literal. I said the body of Christ is literal. We are metaphoric. What do you mean, Johnny? Let me tell you why. Because this body is temporal. The body of Christ is eternal. You tell me which one's real. All true, genuine, disciplined learners know that. I'm going to finish with this. I don't know how long I've preached. I was, this was supposed to be a short one today. There's a work to do. do your neighbor say work. Work. It's called the work of the ministry. It's a place. It's a role. It's a job. It's a part. a place where we come to prophesy, which is edifying, ex- exhorting, and comforting. That's what prophecy means. Where we encourage and we make one another accountable. Where we bind and we lose and we provoke and we are empathetic and we testify and we hug. Here's okay, what I'm excited about. What I've always stepped into next it's always better than the previous. I said it's always better than the previous. We're stepping into a new time in this church, and I'm going to need your help because I can't do it by myself. It's been difficult. It's been very difficult to, to transition out of just lecturing. It's so much easier. we got a new generation of mighty men in this church. I want to tell you, I'm so excited about these, this group of this core of young men who are, are going to be the very core that don't mean you old guys are done. It just means we're getting into our role and our place. And I've asked some of these men, young men, I said, hey, tell me, you accept that role? Do you accept that role? And I can tell you, these young men, were sons in this house said, absolutely, absolutely. So what I'm doing now is I'm going to set the house in order again so we can function in this place. We had a certain order and the signs and wonders and we had the certain order with the knowledge and stuff that we've been learning the doctrine apostles doctrine we're not going to do away with any of those but we're going to bring those together and we're going to express both and all in a atmosphere in a house and it's going to be administrative where the spirit word is going to do marvelous things in our sight Called all the men together i said guys listen this is where we're going this is what we're going to do And this is what I need you to do. And I said, I'm going to put a name on it. The word alpha. I like that. I like it because it's the beginning. It's the first. And it also, like an alpha male. Let me tell you what the word alpha means. Denoting a person who has a dominant role or position within a particular sphere. We've always emphasized all these men. We said men's ministries and all that. And while we've been through this thing of of whatever, and I don't want to, you know, uh, teaching and all that. And COVID and all those things. But we're, gonna, we're going to, to activate that again. I'm talking about men who are not content with just them and theirs. But men who are concerned with their brother's success. I'm going to show you the way. I'm going to help create the dynamic just like I created a dynamic about us just sitting here and learning and teaching and how we created the dynamic of the atmosphere when we used to do praise and all that kind of stuff and you know man we went from praise to to you know laying on of hands and prophecy and all those kind of things this is what this is what I want out of you this morning the men in this house made a consecration to God part of what I do is from a gifting of apostle is I set houses in order. You as an individual, then we set the domestic the husbands, wives, children, set that in order, and then this house in, in order. And this morning, if you're here, you believe this gospel that I'm preaching, you need to get baptized and you need to get your hands laid on so you can be part of this house. We got things to do. But this morning, this is to everyone that's here. I want and I believe Yahweh is desiring us to consecrate. And sanctify ourselves. The reason I say desires because I don't think he commands this. I think he wants you to do it because you love him. You hear me? I think he wants to do it. He wants you to surrender to him because you love him. This morning, I would like to us to afresh and anew. Did it in the men. Now I want to do it in house number two and to you ladies. You say, I don't have a man. Well, don't worry about it. I want you to respond to this wonderful calling and invitation this morning. I think it's the element that's missing. God bless you all for the watching.